Hello and welcome to Really Well Women with me, clinical somatic educator Heidi Hadley and naturopathic doctor Sarah Wilson. Really Well Women is here to educate, empower and enhance the health and well-being of women who have many demands and yet they want to take care of themselves from the inside out. Enjoy our podcast as we delve into all areas of health and well-being. So are you ready to find out more? Let's get started. Welcome back to our last episode in this Foundations of Health series, where today we're going to talk about the importance of connection and passion in health. Because right now, I'm seeing this as such a huge issue within my women's health practice. We are such a hyper-connected society online, but women are feeling, and men as well, to be completely honest, are feeling more and more disconnected because we're not getting that in-person contact. And it's not uncommon for people to have their best and closest friends very far away from them. And even for me, I spend so much time online talking to you, Heidi, who's in Australia and I'm in Canada, talking to my friends in London, England. I have other friends in Australia talking to friends across the country because there just are the people who are like-minded to me aren't necessarily in my city. But I'm also very mindful of the fact that I still need that in-person contact because research is showing right now that isolation and the feeling of isolation is more deadly than smoking. And so it is a huge, huge issue. And we really want to bring an awareness to it because sometimes I'll talk to patients and they're saying like, oh no, I talk to my friends all day long on the phone, we'll text back and forth, but it just doesn't give you that same oxytocin response, that same hormonal response that we need from in-person contact. So we're going to be talking about that. And we're also going to be covering passion because I find like, I'm so fortunate that I am absolutely passionate about what I do. I love it. I could do it all day, every day, but so many people don't have those passions and they lose those passions. And so they just feel like they lose themselves. And we hit certain points in life, whether that's midlife and whether that is when you have a baby or a big life event happens, you lose someone that you feel like you've lost yourself and you don't know what to do. And so we're really going to cover in depth today, how to, why that's happening and how to go about getting some of those passions back into your life. Absolutely, because we are social creatures, aren't we? We want to be part of a community, um, you know, either a small group or a large group. But because of what's happening in life now, people are, as you say, in the irony is in a very connected world, we're becoming very disconnected. And things such as social media, it's kind of be in the way that people feel that that's how their friendships are gained, how many friends they have or how many likes they have. And then the whole dopamine reward, you know, the pleasure hormone that's linked in with how many likes you've had. And the research is showing there that, you know, the depression, the, the hormones that are linked with that depressive um, self-worth side of things, it drops, the hormones drop when you find that you've been unliked or un, whatever it is, unconnected from someone on social media, unfollowed, that's the word, you know, all those sorts of things. And it's, a, it's really playing into people's self-worth. Um, and, and I'd really like to use this opportunity to kind of break down the subconscious again, what's going on within our mind, with what's happening and how that is all again com- coming back to connection and, and if you don't mind me Sarah can I just mention a little bit about the subconscious here and the connection aspect um, because yeah because within the subconscious we've got an area or a portion of our brain called the paleolimbic brain and it's that part that defines our role and position in a group and really our self-confidence it's very much tied up within this area 
And it's also where our confidence and trust within others comes from. And so that's where we might say to ourselves, do we trust people? Or are we the sort that will go, we'll wait to see they've got to prove themselves to us. So that all comes from the paleolimbic part. So this area works in with our self-confidence and our assertiveness. And the thing is, if we have too much assertiveness, it creates a real dominance in our behavior, which leads into a narcissism. But then if we have too little or lack of assertiveness, it creates a submissiveness, like a melancholy type of depression. So that's where we have that persistence or that intense feeling of sadness and hopelessness. So it's about finding that happy medium of that assertiveness within the paleolimbic system. And that's why it's really important that we stay connected with people for that reason, so that we learn where we are, our places within society. Um, because interestingly enough, it's at birth at day one. And I often say this either to my somatics clients, my baby massage clients, you know, when I'm talking to them that from day one, we're just a set of subconscious reflexes. Um, and if you think about it, if I was to, to clap, all of a sudden, you know, with a newborn baby, they do that, that startle, don't they? They jump really quickly. Or if you watch a baby, when a baby, you put, have you ever seen the beautiful pictures sometimes of um, a parent holding their thumb and then the baby's clasping their little finger, um, fingers around that thumb, they're all reflex actions. And so that's happening from day one with just a set of reflexes. But then at age two, that's when that paleolimbic part of the brain kicks in. And that's where it's defining our place and positioning group in the group. And if you think about it, everyone talks about the terrible twos. But can you see where the terrible twos comes from? It's where the paleolimbic brain is starting to kick in. And it's that assertiveness that's, that's obviously needing to be tamed a little bit at times. Um, <laughs> is there a terrible eight month? Because um, you might hear it upstairs right now. His reflexes are saying slam every toy possible on the floor. <laughs> I can't hear him. Oh, bless him. So, um, but then during the teenage years, again, we see that power struggle, that rebellion that can start to kick in. And that's again with the paleolimbic part of the brain where we're starting to learn where we are in within a group. Also, what are the social norms? What are the acceptable norms that we're supposed to be doing at that point? And so this is where um, it starts to change and adapt for us. And that's why if, if there's different things that are happening in people's lives, for example, they've just had a baby and they might feel that they're a bit disconnected because they feel all they're doing is they're caught up in a routine. They feel that their identity has been lost. Maybe it's a parent or parents that their children have, have left home, you know, so all of a sudden they're either on their own or they're there with their partner and they have to then start looking at reconnecting again because for so much of their life, it was all focused on the children. So it's about bringing a whole new awareness of how you are within that group, you know, so that you start to connect so much more. Um, and that really ties in as well with an area, again, the subconscious called the neolimbic brain. And this is where it's going to really tie in with our connection and with our passion, because the neolimbic brain is actually home to our motivations. It's where our memory is stored here. And really, it's who we are deep down. And it's also how the social pressures start to affect that ne neolimbic area as well. But also, if it's our motivator, if it's that intrinsic motivator, that deep down, that blueprint of what we want, you know, to do in our life, that's where we ask ourselves, 
what motivates us are we going with what motivates us what our passions are or are we more of a people pleaser are we doing what we're expected to do because maybe it's a cultural norm that we're expected from the family to pursue a certain lifestyle or a career or are we doing what actually is feeding deep within what we really want to do what creates that fire from it within really that burns and really creates a passion and that conflict between deep down what you want to do and what you are doing is such so prevalent in today's society it's so so prevalent because we now currently have a generation that is coming up that has is asking what do i want more so than ever and they are in the workplace with people who have refused to ask what do i want and i'm finding which i find it just so fascinating that the millennials in the workplace are causing a lot of frustration in a lot of people but when you talk about it and dig down to it it's because they have the audacity and i'm using quotations to ask for and only do what they really want to do and of course there's environments in which that's not appropriate but i also think that people are waking up to the fact that they can ask that question and then now they're late 30s 40s 50s beyond and they feel like or society makes them feel like it's too late to reinvent themselves and it's too late to to be asking those questions so they just feel completely stuck and from that all kinds of stress issues all kinds of hormonal issues because people are just in conflict internally whether they want to acknowledge it or not um so it's just it's so fascinating to see it in practice as well it is. And it's, um, and I mean, we, we live at such a wonderful time, really. If, if we go back a few generations, you know, I mean, I think back to living in England, I think back to the people in England, you know, they had no choice. Their fathers were coal miners, so they had to be coal miners. You know, that's just the way that it went. Whereas now, at any age, people could go back and do some study. They can train in a different area. If you're sitting in a, in a group, in a training or university setting, there's all sorts of age groups. It's not one particular age group now. And it's, it's actually more acceptable in society now for people to go back and retrain. And, and in actual fact, sometimes with a bit of life experience, it actually makes you a much more effective practitioner or whatever you want to do in your line of work because my dad always uses the expression the university of life and yeah. you really can't beat the university of life it really stops you being so black and white and seeing that there's a lot more to life and just having that bit more patience and understanding as well as the empathy there's a lot of that involved a hundred percent so what I'd like to do is after the break, could we talk a little bit more about passion, how we can bring back that passion if we, if we feel that we've lost it, how we can bring back a real zest for life, and then also just bring in some proactive measures of what we can do from here, maybe bring in our own sort of personal experiences of how that could help as well if there's any techniques we've done, um, and see if we can really help um, bring that zest and passion light, uh, back. And as I said, as we work as a whole community, all of us together, it's great that we all bounce off each other with ideas and thoughts. Absolutely. Do you feel that tight muscles are affecting your movement and posture? Do you feel that you have recurring pain or injuries? Would you like to know how to reduce pain, improve your posture, increase your mobility and develop mindfulness? Allow me to teach you the total somatics approach to health and wellness within my online program. In the comfort of your own home and at a time that suits you, we can start creating healthy changes. To learn more, go to totalsomatics.com.
Okay, so before the break, we were talking about connection. And then we started talking about passion and how really they are very heavily linked. And we looked at passion is, a, is fixed basically in the first few months of our life. It is our intrinsic motivator. It's that that creates our identity. It's what we accept and we live by it as regards what motivates us. And really, our passion is our source of energy. And so if we're not getting energy, if we're not getting our passion, should I say, from an area, we're lacking in that energy. Um, and so really, when we have a passion, we don't need external rewards because we're living life with purpose. And that's what I find amazing is when you find somebody or you see somebody that has a real passion for what they do, they are always full of energy. You know, in a, in a sense, they have to try and control and curb that passion so that it doesn't start to wear them out. You know? I think our but husbands I, would agree with this. I think so, bless them. <laughs> but the thing is, it's, it's fantastic, isn't it, with passion? Because you think this is, this is basically, um, we're basically, our blueprint is meeting our choices, what we've done really. Um, and so with that, I just wanted to um, put some questions out to the listener just to start encouraging them to delve a bit deeper because often we can put ourselves at the back of the queue and put everybody else forward. But remember, we've talked in pre previous podcasts that when we look after ourselves and we take care of ourselves, we're better for everybody else. And if we've got children, either young or old, they're watching us. We're their role models. So the way that we behave and, and how we feel emotionally and mentally children are soaking that up like a sponge so it's it, without putting the pressure on really but it's about how we can take care of ourselves because it will have a ripple effect throughout the family and throughout generations really um so basically a couple of questions i'd like to ask is uh, what gives you energy and what makes you happy and then do you like easy or challenging tasks and, and also, you know, thinking of what motivates you. Do you like action-based or reflective-based pursuits? Because we're all different and we've got to meet what we actually really thrive on. Um, do you prefer to spend time with friends and family or do you prefer to be more of a solo person? Do you like doing things on your own more? So as a result of that, would you say you're an introvert or an extrovert? And so from those questions, I'd kind of say to people, can you make a list of what drives you? And what gets you motivated? And again, what brings back that real zest in life? As you mentioned earlier, Sarah, that Groundhog Day. If we feel that we're in a Groundhog Day, what can we bring zest and enthusiasm back? Maybe you love nature. Maybe it's art. Maybe it's helping others. Maybe you love inventing. There's so many things. But look at what's giving you joy, energy, and meaning. It's, it's a really important thing because that is what's really going to feed and help support our emotional and mental health. And I find all the time, there's, there's kind of two things. I'll oftentimes go through things like that with patients and they're just like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Because they feel like they're just so burnt out with life, whether that's compassionate fatigue because of their work, whether that is burnout from being a parent or work environment, whether that's literally just spending so long not taking care of yourself and not thinking for yourself that it feels impossible. So I'll often just tell people, reflect back on what you love to do as a kid and see where that plays in. And it can feel so awkward to get back into those things. And to like, for example, if it was dance and they're like, oh, I can't, I could never go to a dance class. Even after we say, okay, you know what? Now it's time to get you healthy. Because if you're sitting in this boat, I want to qualify this first. If you're sitting in the boat where you're like, ha, I don't have time for passion. I don't have energy for passion. I don't have X for passion. My life is, is not set up for that. 
I want to say you can get your health back. This is what this series is for, is setting up these things, changing your mindset, getting stress reduction in place, carving out 10, 15 minutes for yourself, getting the physical elements in place so that you have that energy back because you don't have to go to back to a dance class. You can put on a YouTube video and dance around your house to light up that source for yourself, right? You can, you can do art and you can paint in your home for 10 minutes twice a week. You can get outside in nature and go for a walk. All of these things are possible in when you schedule them in your day and when you're taking a couple minutes for yourself. But first, you need to go through all the other things to get here, which is why this is the last in the series, right? This is going to be the final piece of the puzzle when you're like, okay, I really feel like I've started to touch on these other things and now I've created that time. I've created that awareness. I've given myself permission. So often it's literally just a permission slip, like yay, Brene Brown, um, permission slip to do something for yourself again. And so this is often the question I'm asking, what did you love to do as a kid? And that, like I said, is most often getting out in nature, doing some kind of art or some kind of creativity that is oftentimes dancing around like no one's watching. All of these things can be so impactful and they really can just open up the door just a little crack so that you can see through to the world of opportunity that waits on the other side. And as someone who works with two therapists and a life coach, because this is, I'm so passionate about what I do that I can forget to do the other areas of passion and I can become too focused on that one area that it's these things that you're constantly needing the reminders to do the self-care so that you could put these things in place. Um, and so <laughs> for me, honestly, to be honest, it's listening to like shady rap music and dancing around my house. Kitchen <laughs> parties are one of the best things, but it's just that feeling that you get at the end of it that you're like, okay, I've done something for myself that now gives you permission to do more and more things. It just builds on itself. It, it does. And, and I love how you mentioned about the children, because this is something that I often will say to clients is if you look at children, they are full of imagination. If you think mm. you, you, you know, um, give them uh, an object and a name and a mode of transport or something, and they create this whole story. Or I love um, creating stories like with some of my friends, little children's, I'll get them to give me three items, uh, like a, yeah, I've done mode of transport, an animal and a name. And then I have to make up a bedtime story for them. And I just love it because it gets my imagination going. My mom used to do that with us. So that's what I like doing it for now because it's really good. Um, and then you can see their little minds whizzing away because they've got so much going on in their heads. And and anyone that's had children can see it they, you know you're they're chatting away and they've got this whole image and this story in their head but at some point probably when we're in the education system things yeah. change social norms come in no that's not right this is right you sit still and look straight ahead for x amount of hours a day and then limiting beliefs that come in and and belief systems come in that are well-intentioned but often passed down through generations and so sometimes you think oh maybe that's not right because maybe i look silly doing that or you know different things and before you know it a lot of those areas get shut down and then mm -hmm. we can become quite robotic and we can allow social cultural norms as I'd say, norms, to start to mold and change who we are. Mm -hmm. So it's getting back into that. And that's exactly it, Sarah. If we allow time, and it might be just a walk around the block, it could be just listening to some relaxing music, 
whatever it is, as soon as you allow time for your brain just to rest and create almost like a meditative state, you know, um, when you're starting to just relax and wind and just churn things over, mull things over in a healthy manner, or just let that quietness come, that's when the ideas flow. It's really important to have those ideas and those thoughts. And then you start just thinking about, actually, I wouldn't mind trying this or being interested in this hobby and things like that. Um, and that's where then you've got my hot subject that I love is visualization. Um, because visualization is, again, all about ideas and thoughts. And um, do you do a lot of visualization, Sarah? Or Historically, I've done more than I have now, to be completely mm -hmm. honest. But it's always been something that I... I can visualize so clearly um, and that I find such a powerful tool because when you don't visualize the path, but you visualize where you want to be. And that's the key with me is I want to visualize the entire path. Um, it, it can open up so many worlds and opportunities. It is. And I always say to people, visualization, it's all about thoughts, isn't it? And this is the bit I find amazing is everything you look at came about by a thought and visualization you think of an airplane whoever thought that heavy piece of machinery would take off exactly you know right somebody thought that and then they visualized it and then they followed through with those actions um there's so many other things i mean after this podcast use this as a, a bit of a an exercise to meditate over and look at things and think somebody actually sat and designed that Somebody went from a thought to visualization to the processing to then actioning it. And that's the thing. How many, I mean, I always say to my husband, graveyards, how many people went to their grave with a thought and a passion and an idea and an invention and they never followed through? And they didn't it's, feel like they had permission. I think that's such a huge thing. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, and I know in my personal situation, from if anything is i didn't know what visualization was when i was young but people used to say to me when i was 13 they used to say do you know what you want to do when you grow up and i used to go yeah i want to work in neurophysiology and they went oh okay and of course my passion it went neurophysiology and it's come full circle with everything now with neuropsychology and somatics and things but um and i said yeah and i said it with such conviction because in my head that was going to happen and then when um there were 12 places going and for the training to, to, to step into the neurophysiology. I could have done cardiothoracic and respiratory and audiology. There was all the different ones, but I wanted to do neurophysiology. And for that intake, there were 12 people for the year. They had 4,000 applicants. But at no point did I go, oh, I don't know if I'll get it. I just thought, I'm going to work in neurophysiology. Yeah. And I got in, you know, and I think to myself, how much of that is you think, wow, I'm just going to follow through with that. And then over the years, different things, my husband and I visualized walking along the beach here in Australia with the sunset. And if anyone looks at totalsomatics.com and go to my website, I think it's on the homepage. There's a picture of mindfulness and there's a picture of me, my silhouette on the beach looking at the sunset. And we deliberately put that on there because that was the image we had in our head for many years before we actually emigrated. And then even in recent times, there's lots of other things, but I always wanted, um, there's a specific road in Adelaide and I wanted to be on that specific road with my wellness center. And because it's a busy road, I wanted to have parking at the back. So for years I said, we're going to be on this road and we're going to have parking at the back. And that's what happened because I just kept visualizing it. And when you visualize something, remember we talked earlier on in the podcast about the reticular activating system, what you focus on grows. So if you focus on something, you start seeing opportunities. 
Absolutely. And that's really what's happened. Absolutely. And it's, it's opportunities, but I think for so many women, it's also just giving them permission. It's giving them permission to think about what they want again and think about it without the limiting beliefs. I think that was the one thing with visualization that your, like your imagination is the only limit. And when you're not saying it out loud and you're just picturing it in your head, it's so much easier to go through those things again and again and again and create these dreams and these visions that you can then later put into action. Um, but it's just giving yourself permission to go back to that again and being like, what do I want to do? What am I passionate about? And realistically, how can I incorporate that in my day to day? It may not be about completely uprooting your life and quitting your job, although that may be your dream in this present moment. It may be about incorporating art back into your day. It may be about getting out on the beach. It may be about so many of these different elements um, because again, you're giving yourself that freedom to do something that lights you up because you said it better than I think I've ever heard it. When you have passion, that person has energy all day because they're not looking for something external to give them Mm -hmm. that. And that's really what you're going for is what is the thing that gives you energy and lights you up. And it doesn't have to be one specific thing. It doesn't have to be what you did as a kid. It just has to give you that tummy feeling, that gut feeling. (laughs) And most, for most of you listening to this, I think it will pop into your mind and you'll be like, Oh, I had that when I was a kid or, Oh, that thing I love to do. And just incorporating it five minutes a day can make such a huge difference in terms of your health and well-being. And I'm hoping also when I talked about visualization, that was to inspire, encourage people. It sh- certainly wasn't there to kind of showboat or anything. So please don't ever think that's Oh my the God, case. she's <laughs> never capable of that. <laughs> but it was more the fact that I wanted to show that it can happen. Just have belief. If it's really deep down that imprint, that's what you want to do. You will have naysayers around, but what you have to do is think, no, this is actually what's going to bring that passion and that energy back to my life. And, and I'm, so with that, just thinking, how can we round this up and bring some takeaway points really Sarah I mean do you want to start off have you got some points to take away and then we'll go from there yeah absolutely I would say for this series my main takeaways is let's try to move some of the online connections to in person I think we're really undervaluing those connections and the value of sitting with someone one-on-one and really having a chat with them and chatting with them even if you use this podcast as homework and each listening to and coming together to help each other find your passions and find what lights you up. I think that's a great thing to start to do to encourage that within your community because that's just the accountability piece is there. I think my second big takeaway, and I'll kind of leave this as my other big takeaway because it's a big project, is work on thinking about what you love to do, whether now or when you were younger, and work on giving you doing something every day that gives you a bit more energy than when you started the day. Um, that it seems like such a small thing and it can seem so abstract, but it can make such a huge, huge impact. Yeah. It's brilliant. And, and I was just going to add on with that, that we are pack animals in a sense. So we need to create those opportunities to meet up with people in person, like exactly like what you said. And it depends on what area of life we're in. So maybe the children have left home. Maybe that we need to kind of reconnect with our partner. Maybe we've just retired and we feel that we've lost our identity, that we're no longer in work. 
So maybe it could be volunteering because if we're volunteering to look after the elderly, that increases the feel good hormones, you know, so Mm -hmm. it's all those sorts of things. Giving again, often giving is you get much more than when you take back from somebody. Um, And the other thing is follow your passions in life. So use visualization. You know, situations may be challenging at this point, but there's nothing stopping you going back to using your imagination. I I know that myself, I spend about 20 to 25 minutes a day doing a visualization practice. I do it every single day because we've talked about the brain. That's my take home, everyone. (laughs) It is. It is. And you know what? It, it It might be I'm walking on the beach or I'm walking along and I'm just picturing different things that I want to happen now and in the near future. Um, and then the other big thing I'd say is to always have a goal. So the goal doesn't have to be massive. It could just be a small thing. So for me, my goal could be, right, no sugar this week, (laughs) little things like that. So, But whatever it is, it could be a small thing. And then we could build it up to bigger goals. Because just think about this, that if we don't have any sort of focus in life we just meander and we don't really have anywhere to go if you got on for instance if i get on a plane and i want to go to england to see my family which we will do in the next few months i actually want to know that the pilot's got the destination he's got the flight path ready so we know exactly where we're going so we know where we're going we know how long it's going to take us and and that creates a structure And if we don't have a goal, and sometimes we might not know how these things are going to happen, but if we've got a clear idea of what we actually want, we will see those opportunities because we're using our reticular activating system, which is like our internal GPS in a sense, to navigate and find the best possible opportunities and outcomes to get what we're after. Absolutely. And I think that's a perfect way to wrap up this season even because we're pulling in all of the different elements we've talked about. We're talking about the mindset, working on those limiting beliefs, working on the identity piece. We're talking about stress and creating a ritual. We're talking about like the, even the impacts of all of these things and setting goals on how you feel about yourself. And that's going to relate back to digestion and what you choose to eat. So I think this is a perfect way to just really wrap up our entire season. And I hope that you guys got from it that these are the things that we want to see. These are the pillars, shall we say, that we're going to be building your house on as we move forward over the next seasons. And listen to this, re-listen to this, submit your questions. We are here to create a community around all of these topics. As you hear Heidi and I say, we get ideas and we will then move forward and hold each other accountable. For example, to the visualization that we talked about today, because this is how we grow is we learn from each other and we build on each other. And we want to learn from you and we want to be able to help you guys to be the best versions of yourself. Yeah. And I'd like to just add on to that, that what we can do is if people want to reach out to us, we've got a website, haven't we? It's reallywellwomen.com. Mm-hmm. So if you go to that, you can access all sorts of information. You can find out more about who we are. You can see our latest blogs. There'll be a contact us. So you can throw any questions you want. You can link back to our social media accounts if you want to see what we're doing. Um, but also, again, we're just there so that we can create this whole community-based um, aspect. So please feel free. It's reallywellwomen.com. Wonderful. And we cannot wait to hear from you guys to get all of your ideas for what you want to hear from us. And we can't wait to bring you our next season. Take care. Until then, be well. Thank you for joining us today. To learn more, go to reallywellwomen.com and connect with us. 
Also, spread the word so we can increase the feeling of really well women all around the world. So until next time, take care.